Hey listeners, Dr. Taryn Marie here from Flourish or Fold Stories of Resilience. If our podcast speaks to you, consider leaving us a warm review at the top of the page on Spotify or at the bottom of the page on Apple Podcasts. Your reviews and opinions mean a lot to us, and it allows us to reach more good folks just like you. All right, now on to the show. Welcome to Flourish or Fold, Stories of Resilience. I'm Dr. Taryn Marie, and on this series, we have the opportunity to hear from well-known people who tell their often surprising, lesser well-known stories of resilience. Today, we have a dynamic duo in relationship renegades. We have Rachel Brooks-Smith, model, actress, and producer, well-known for the film Bring It On 2, as well as incredible acting chops. She even, little known fact, played a character by the name of Taryn. We laugh about that a lot. And her fiance, Emilio Palafox. The two of them together are relationship renegades. And listen in now as they talk about how they've navigated their couple relationship and the tools and skills that they have learned that they're now sharing with the world. Welcome back to Flourish or Fold Stories of Resilience, where well-known people have the opportunity to share with us their lesser well-known stories of resilience. And ladies and gentlemen, we have such a treat for you today. I'm so, so excited. We have an incredible power couple and really amazing dear friends and colleagues of mine, Rachel Brooksmith and Emilio Palafox, who together make up Relationship Renegades, co-creating a world where healthy relationships are the norm. Welcome, Rachel and Emilio. Thank you so Thank much you for having us. us. Ah, you're here. We're, <laughs> We're so excited. We are too. So tell me, what is it like being a couple who's working with couples? <laughs> How how does that go? How does that work for the two of you? Oh, I love it. I mean, honestly, I feel like it's um, one just a you know dream come true to Mm -hmm. be sitting next to this amazing man, Mm -hmm. and the fact that we get to work and play together and and create a life together that feels so connected and supportive and fun. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's all I dreamed up as a kid. So just to get to be here right now and to get to do this work with the man that I love just feels so special. Mm -hmm. Same here. I mean, it's my pain of purpose story of, you know, not ever having an example of a healthy, fun, connected, fully alive relationship. And, you know, the the hero's journey to to find one and to sustain one and to not self-sabotage one. And so, you know, it's been a lesson my entire life. And and obviously we're students for life. We're going to grow through life together, but it's just been like my main goal since like second grade when I was going through the storm that, you know, of my upbringing and, and really wanting this. So to have this finally after the 10,000, you know, toxic relationships and looking the man in the mirror more than ever and, and all of that journey to hear it, it's, it's, it's definitely a dream come true and it's definitely a blessing. And it's just a soul's mission of ours that, that, you know, both individually and collectively we have. And, and yeah. And also, by the way, it's not just couples, it's really just anybody 
that is looking to have a healthy relationship with either themselves, others, the world around us, mm-hmm. to God, source, universe, whatever anybody wants to call them, uh, call it. And uh, so, yeah, so when we think, when we talk about healthy relationships as a new norm, it's really all of those relationships. Yeah, that's beautiful. You know, what that makes me think is a question that I've had, which is, do you feel like we need to have a healthy relationship with ourselves first before we get into a couple relationship? Or is that something we can cultivate on our journey in the context of a relationship? How do the two of you think about that? Oh, it's a great question. And it's definitely a through line. You know, we've interviewed so many people on our radio show Mm -hmm. and the through line is always learning how to have a healthy relationship with ourselves and how that mirrors every other relationship. So you can find a healthier relationship in a relationship. It's just going to be a Mm -hmm. lot harder and you're going to be, um, more challenging. It's going to be more challenging. You know, I definitely feel like because both Amelia and I had really learned the hard way how to actually love ourselves and have a really healthy, supportive relationship with ourselves, mm-hmm. we were able to come together and just be, have this feeling of home. There was no trauma bonding. There was no like, you know, project, of course, we're always projecting on each other, but there was this understanding and this ease and flow. Whereas in the past, all my relationships felt very challenging, very hard. Like everything mm. felt so hard. Mm. And, you know, I feel like when you really find yourself and how to love yourself, and then you find a person who also has done that work, that relationship really does feel almost so good that you're like, is this, is this, is this real? Is this okay? Am I, is, this, is there something wrong here? Um, and that's a whole other story, but yeah. So I think the answer is you, you can, it's just going to be a lot, it's going to be harder. Yeah. And I think it, you know, it's, but it's a constant journey. I think loving yourself is never over because every new chapter of life mm. requires a new version of you and more ways to find out how to love yourself. And so I think part of the relationship journey is I think to help each support each other in continually learning how to more deeply love ourselves through all of the challenges that life brings. Yeah. Yeah. And, and just to add to that a little bit. Yeah. One thing we always talk about at Relationship Renegades is new baselines. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's just people are always talking about, you know, all relationships are hard and, you know, people who are married and kids, yeah, you can't travel. Good thing you're doing it now. You're going to get it out of the way because you can't do that with your kids. And there's all these like stories that are old ball and chain, you know, just like all these stories that, you know, were programmed by either TV, movies, magazines, your mom, your kid, you know, growing up with friends, whatever it is, it's just in their subconscious mind. And we're trying to change the story. We're trying to elevate the story. We're trying to evolve the story that it doesn't happen. For instance, And I'm not discounting that relationships can be challenging, but it also can be a lot of fun. It can be very fruitful and joyful and really a lot more of that. Right. And instead of like fights, they they don't have to be fights. You don't ever have to get in fights. And I'm not saying you're never going to have a fight, but it could be more of conversations rather than fights. Mm -hmm. Right. Like if, if, if you really knew how to communicate, then you can have like really interesting, incredible, deep conversations. They don't have to be fights. Right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so I think like, and this goes around just like, because when we do choose to love ourselves before and or during, it helps with those newer base, those new and higher baselines. Mm-hmm. Mm. 
Incredible. Well, I, I love the work that you two have done individually and really getting to watch you two come together as a couple, you know, objectively from afar, but for the past few years and to get to see the new summits that you've gone on, you know, you're just sh- such a shining example of living the life and creating the relationship that you've always aspired to. And now you're getting to pave the journey for others to follow in your footsteps, which I think is just so exciting. Mm. Thank, Thank you. you so much. I definitely want people to know that it's, uh, and we, we talk about this often, right? That we're not perfect. Like we have challenges and we share those challenges openly. And, and ultimately relationship renegades is like really trying to to showcase those. It's like, oh man, we mm-hmm. had this. It's anytime we go through something, we usually then then share about it. Of like, man, I got triggered when he said this, and this is how I processed it. And these are kind of some tools that you can learn so that next time you get triggered, you can talk about with your partner or your friend or your family member and really help people understand that, you know, like the quality of our life. I think for so long in my life, I didn't. I just didn't get that. I didn't prioritize relationships at all. I prioritized everything else and then had a really powerful awakening, like slap in the face of like, oh man, I can achieve all this cool stuff, you know, in TV and film and, you know, my, my, my career as an actress and a filmmaker. But if I don't prioritize my relationships, I will always feel alone. I will always feel unsupported. I will never feel at home in my own skin, because I think part of feeling at home is really creating those relationships that feel like, feel like home. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, as you get older, you get to choose those relationships and how to choose them very intentionally and how to nurture them on a regular basis. So that no matter what comes and goes, you always have this support system and, and really a connection and community is like at the core of having good mental health. And if you don't have that, then, you know, you're, just asking for some challenges. Yeah. And then to add to that too, I would just say, you know, thank you for sharing all that and the kind words. It's, you know, I think the summit that we're on, right. I think it's important to note that we're always just going to go to the next summit and the next summit and the next summit and that there is no there, mm-hmm. right. There's never a place that we're going to get to. It's just this constant, beautiful, expanding and evolving constantly, right. There is no period like we were talking about beforehand yeah. that it's just like an, an endless, beautiful journey. And, 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 and when death comes, then what's the next journey? And just, yeah. just, just continuous journey is kind of the way that we see things. And we're just super grateful to be on the summit that we're on right now. And to really just really practice embodying. Like I look outside right now, there's beautiful nature. To living more of like earth speed, mm-hmm. right? And, and, and to be like nature. We talk about this quote that comes to mind. Um, to not, like don't fight the river, be the river. And so I feel like in a lot of things in life, especially this resilience theme, um, what enables to get us to this summit, to the next summit, to the next summit, is just like to let go and let God, to just like ebb and flow with anything that's going around and just kind of, you know, be the river in a sense. And I think that's what has enabled us to get on this summit, but also like really enjoy this summit yeah. and, and, and play in this summit. And always play in the summit, but then to know that, you know, oh, all of a sudden this happened. Okay, now we're going up or now we're going down and, and enjoy that. Yeah, I love that. You know, you you mentioned something before about trauma bonding. And 
I don't know if everyone listening sort of understands that concept of, of trauma bonding and what that can look like in relationships. Could you expound on that? Oh, yeah. Well, you know, first and foremost, I feel like it's, it's really understanding that all of our issues that we have in life are really, you know, something from childhood. And it's, you know, any sort of a lot of physical illnesses, uh, emotional, you know, mental health mm-hmm. issues all really stem from unhealed trauma. Um, and, you know, we have a quote that we often say is like, if you don't heal your childhood wounds, they will always show up in your relationships. Right. So if I don't heal the trauma and trauma is such a such mm-hmm. an interesting word because it's yeah. people think of trauma as like, you know, if something massively crazy happened. But trauma, just think of trauma as anytime you didn't get the love that you thought that you needed. Right. So there's many moments in my childhood when, man, like I did not get the love that I thought that I needed. And I store that trauma, those feelings of not being worthy, not being good enough, not feeling love, feeling abandoned in me somewhere. And then I create these characters to protect myself. You know, I create these characters that are like, okay, now I got to be like this boss babe and I can't let people in or man. Now I, and I got to be defensive with people because I can't trust people, you know, like all this different mm-hmm. stuff. And it's a, it's a reaction response to feeling hurt or feeling, you know, that you weren't loved in some way. Mm-hmm. And so if I have, you know, let's just say that, you know, for me, I had, um, uh, trauma that like, it wasn't safe to tell my dad the truth when I was growing up because I grew up in a really religious family and I just learned that it was better to hide the truth. Um, and then I would get love. Um, and so that showed up in all my relationships and it, it wasn't until I finally learned that about myself, that I had that, that for so long, I went through life, just what it, it showed up as me hiding truth from men. And I would create all these like little white lies. And even though I felt like I was such a, an honest person, in my relationships, I was not honest, you know, not at all. And I would always be like, why am I doing this? Like, what is going on? And how am I ending up in these, like this little white lie turned into this like other one and this other one. And now I don't even know what the truth was. And man, it's terrible. Mm-hmm. And it took me years to figure out what that root cause was through, you know, meditation, hypnosis, like journaling, all working with coaches. Mm-hmm. Once I figured that out though, then I could, I could really understand one, where it came from, how to let it go, that these men weren't my father, that this was a story I created when I was younger and I can choose a new story to live by, that it was actually safer to tell the truth. It was better to always tell the truth, no matter how terrifying it was, because that's how you really get real love, you know, Mm -hmm. is to actually be honest. And um, so it wasn't until I really learned that, that then all of a sudden I was able to find him and create a healthy relationship so that I was I was that trauma bonding to other people was that I was really looking for this until I healed that wound. It would yeah. continually show up in those relationships in, in all kinds of ways. Like attracts like. Yeah. And I thought these guys had anger issues. I thought they had <laughs> trust issues, but in reality, like I had honesty issues and I, I didn't want to look at that. Like that was hard, you know, and the really interesting thing about, you know, let's say like trauma bonding, you can heal that. Right. But when we met, we had all the perfect stuff for like complete blowout or complete like deeper connection. Mm-hmm. And I think it's always that choice that we have. So like I had my, you know, one of my biggest things was, will I really show up, really, really be honest with men now? And, you know, will I, so I had these like honesty issues. Well, guess what Emilio had? He had trust, trust issues, issues, right? Cause yeah. in his past, other women had lied to him, cheated on him. 
So like we had the perfect setup yeah. for like complete blowout. Yeah. Or if we had actually really healed, then wow, deep, deep, deep connection. Yeah. Did we really learn the lesson? You're always going to get shown the lesson. And if you don't, you know, listen or, or, or pass the test, if you will, it'll get, it'll, you know, get more, it can be more painful, more painful until you finally learn the lesson. But I wanted to just ask that too, because I think, um, yeah, I like attracts like, right? Like you, you, you see what you are, you, you attract who you are. And I think once you started to like heal a lot of those things and fill your cup up, if you will, right. Once you were really full going back to filling your cup and loving yourself, then if, when you're full, right, you're going to find more full glasses. And I think rather than the trauma attracting and, and to add to add to, to the trauma, right. In addition to not feeling loved the way you wanted to, I also would add, you know, when you didn't feel safe or seen or heard or loved mm-hmm. and when that happened. And I think so many people, there's some people that we've been talking to like, oh yeah, I never had a bad childhood or this and that. My, um, my dad treated me amazing and I, and he treated me like a princess or, but that there could be some quote unquote trauma with that and how it shows up in the relationships. And mm-hmm. that's a whole nother conversation. But um, I did want to say too, because this may lead into something else, a, a big one of the big themes of relationship renegades because we love superhero movies and, and she's big about that because she plays superhero <laughs> is is to lose your superman and this is more of like maybe for the men it's like lose your superman to find your wonder woman and people are maybe like what, what the heck does that mean but you know it's it's that whole ego thing right but not even not even just ego it's when we did have this quote-unquote trauma growing up you know, we unknowingly subconsciously create these characters that Rachel was mentioning. Like I had a a people pleaser. I had to become a performer so that there was, you know, my dad was happy so that he didn't yell at my mom or hurt my mom in any way. I had to create a security guard, you know, that was strong to get me through the adversity that I was experiencing in the household. And I think the more that we identify those characters growing up in our resilience journey, once we can identify those characters, love them, thank them for getting them to where you're at right now, and then saying goodbye, I think the more that we identify and remove those characters, we really find who we really are. And we really start, that to me is really filling up the cup mm-hmm. to where all of a sudden, and those are, those are a lot of the big ways that I found was able to attract Rachel was because, because of that removal. So powerful. I can't wait for us to unpack that. (laughs) And before we do, I'm going to ask each of you really what our hallmark question is here on, on flourish or fold stories of resilience, which is, I'd love for each of you to share with us a, a challenge that you've experienced on your journey, that as you look back, you can see how this challenge actually positively formed or contributed to the person that you each are today mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. so many but we will yeah. <laughs> yeah i feel like there's definitely so many i mean right like i feel like yeah most all our challenges ultimately really help create who we are love do you want me to go first do you want to go first up to you uh, you go you want to go this yeah. ah, so out of all the challenges the one that's coming to my mind right now in this moment it was um all growing up, one of the things, one of the characters, you know, that, that I had was like the savior complex. Mm-hmm. I feel like I needed to save everybody. Um, and then everybody needed to be fixed or helped. And, and, and not that that's not the case. People are going through their own story. I mean, their own, you know, situation. 
but mine was, and I'll give a little preface. So I grew up in a domestic violence type household. My, my dad was very abusive to my mom, um, mainly mentally, emotionally. There was a, a few times physically. And I just remember being at like, like in second grade. Um, I remember, I, it's hard to remember before then, but I remember very specifically Miss Pittenger, my second grade teacher. And there was a lot going on at that time. And I wouldn't go to sleep at night until everyone in my household would go to sleep because I was afraid of what my dad was going to do to my mom. And when something did happen, I went to go find my mom and sister inside or outside of the house and would um, console them, like stop them from crying, be there for them. Obviously, I was a little kid, so I didn't know really what to do or say. I would just sometimes I would say something to them. Right. Sometimes I wouldn't. I'd just be there. And um And throughout my entire life growing up, it was like this, like my first 18 years of growing up, I grew up in El Paso, Texas, um, you know, border town. And I just was in fight or flight a lot of the times. And I always saw women specifically in pain, crying. Right. And so like it inside of me, it hurts so much when any woman, my mom, my sister, anybody, especially women, um, when they were in pain, when they were crying, when they were suffering. And so because of that, because one of my characters was like, wanted to save them and help them, I ended up in my 10,000 toxic relationships that I then went into when I, you know, my number one mission was don't become my father, but you, you tend to mirror what they've done. And so I had a lot of anger issues. I love this quote. I don't know who says this, but I, I've heard it recently that anger, cause I had a lot of anger issues. Like anger is the mask that sadness wears. And I was very sad. Like all I wanted was my mom and dad to like get along, to be happy, like to love themselves, to love each other. And I say all this stuff, this preface, because one of the toxic relationships, um, I went into that relationship three months in, saw a lot of red flags because I didn't love myself at the time. I chose to continue in that relationship three years later. And, and it incurred a lot of pain and suffering, of course, lessons too, not only for myself, but for her as well, and collectively. And uh, it, was, it was one of the many biggest challenges, but this one, I'll just talk about this one. And it was really healing my savior complex that really just lifted me like 10x to a whole new person, a whole new experience, a whole new world, to be honest, because it was so deeply rooted with me seeing my mom hurt, my sister hurt. And, and of course, God presented this perfect situation of, you know, the, we both had trauma. So we had some trauma bonding going at that point. Uh, she was very good at manipulating me and very good at like putting me down and demasculating me and a lot of different things at the time. Of course, I had my share in terms of what I would do. But I say all that because she could have done the worst thing to me, right? She could have shot someone I loved and cheated on me, whatever. But then she would start to cry and I would throw that out <clears throat> and I would go cater her and, 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 oh my God, are you okay? Because I did that all my life growing up, especially as a little kid. And it was, it was because of that turn, it was an emotional roller coaster because she would like, she would know that. So she would do stuff that hurt me. Then she would start crying and she would, she would utilize, uh, her mom had died about a year and a half before we met. And, and although that's very sensitive and a deep thing to her, she would use that and she would use many other things. No matter how much she hurt me, she brought those things back and cried. And then I would just not forget about myself and what she just did. And I'd go cater to her and cater to her and cater to her. 
And more and more and more and more and more, God was showing me, you still don't love yourself. You still don't love yourself. And it was this essence that I'll kind of wrap this up is there's a story about this guy visiting a friend. And it's very quick here. And he hadn't seen him in a long time. And he goes, goes up the porch. He says, oh, John, it's so great to meet you. And uh, there was this dog over there kind of moaning and groaning a little bit. He kind of looked at the dog moaning and groaning on the porch. Goes back. He's like, your dog goes, he's like, oh, don't worry about him. They go inside. They catch up, right? After hours and hours of catching up, he comes back out. He's like, man, your dog was crying the entire time. He's like, what's going on? He's like, he's sitting on a nail. You don't have to worry about it. He's like, sitting on a nail? What is he doing sitting on a nail? He's like, oh, yeah, he's been doing that, you know, for a long time. He's like, but why doesn't he get off? He's like, oh, it doesn't hurt enough. And literally that was my story. Like it just didn't hurt enough. It took me three years of literally like constant suffering in this relationship. I can't even tell you the days and weeks and months of constant pain that I finally said enough, right? I finally broke it off, had a conscious uncoupling, said all the things I needed to say, said everything that I loved and thanked her for, kissed her, hugged her, said goodbye closed the door. We were living together. And it was like one of the most hardest things that I had to do because, you know, she was suicidal at the time. She didn't have, she didn't have her mom anymore. Didn't have a good relationship with her dad. No friends, like zero. She was having trouble at work. I was paying for everything. It was just like, how am I going to do this to a woman, especially because of my past? And but it had gone too much. I wanted to break up. This was like the thousand and one time that I said I was going to break up. And I finally listened to myself. I was like, look, God, I can't do this anymore. I have to choose me because I am dying inside. And of course, when I did that on the healing journey, everything changed, right? For myself, like very beautifully, very abundantly. And, and then of course, what was beautiful is that I saw her a year and a half later at a yoga retreat in Houston, Texas. And she was glowing, looked like a new person. We, we had this beautiful embrace and she was dating someone traveling around the world. And it was, and I was single at the time, but I was like loving myself, doing me. She was doing her, but like that needed to happen, right? Like that needed to happen to heal me and shine my light, which then inevitably had her shine her light. And so that was one of the biggest things is, is um, and there's so much with that, but really healing my savior complex, choosing myself, which then inevitably really healed everybody. Like you know, when I chose that, it just it, it unfolded in such a beautiful way in that sense. So, yeah, and and for that, I in that continuous journey of loving myself really helped me attract Rachel in the beautiful relationship we have. Spoiler alert! It worked out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Spoiler alert. Yeah. <laughs> oh, what an incredible story. I was right there with you, as, as I'm sure many of our listeners are and, and will be, right? That moment of just like, oh, it's like, it's like, mm-hmm. hurts so much, and yet it doesn't hurt enough. Oh, I know. I know. Yeah. So many nights, so many countless, countless, countless crying myself to sleep sleeping in separate rooms like all the emotions like what do you do you know and I think when you just finally not in a, like be selfish it doesn't have to be like a bad selfish type of thing right like choose when you choose to love yourself and a lot of men and a lot of people don't even, back then when, when someone was like do you love yourself I'm like of course I do I got this I got like 
a lot of people, at least I didn't know exactly what that really meant. And for me, it was just like, you know, taking time to do the things I love, taking time, like to make sure that I was always in a state of like peace, joy, happiness. And if you're not feeling like that, no matter where you are, I feel like it, it would be good to reflect and pray and meditate. Like, well, why? And, and I think once you start to really peel back that onion, that is the filling up the cup yeah. to loving yourself. Mm. Incredible story and so, so powerful. Mm. Mm. Okay. Thank you. A, a shining example of having done the work. Mm. Yeah, when you were sharing that story, I was really just thinking too of how how often and what other places are we doing that in our life, you know, in our relationships, in our in our careers, in our just where are we choosing to stay in pain or to stay in suffering to try and not hurt someone else, but in the interim hurt ourselves mm-hmm. and like stay in that pain. It's just a really fascinating question. Mm, yeah. And of course, there's so many legs to that, you know, story. I try to do my best to <laughs> package it up you know in, in a clear concise and insightful message and to let uh rachel share hers uh in this time that we have thank you thank you yes there's so many directions we we could go with that we might come back to them too <laughs> how about for you rachel man i mean so many to choose from for sure so i grew up a really competitive gymnast and i think that in itself, like I set such a tone for my life because I, you know, from the ages of, I don't know, six to 14, I was living in this world that felt so, so stressful, so hard. So like every day I'd wake up and I just have such anxiety and, and fear. Cause I was so scared to, to go to practice, you know, because our coaches would yell at us and throw things at us. And it was honestly pretty abusive, you know, and I look back, I never thought of it that way, but I'm like, oh yeah, I, that was, that was kind of abusive. <laughs> and even to the point where one of my coaches is named Mike Payne, like his real name was Payne. And there was this one time recently where I was doing my own kind of healing. And I'd had this memory of, there was this one time when, you know, I would every Tuesday before bars, I would have Mike Payne on bars on Tuesday and before practice, like every day I was, I was throwing up in the bathroom before, like begging my mom, please don't make me go. Please don't make me go. I don't want to go. I don't, you know, I was so terrified and I was so young and, you know, I really learned the power of my mind in a negative way because I learned that I could, I could make myself sick. And it was a way out of having to deal with the stress of my life. And, you know, and I look back and I see little kids that were, you know, six to 14, I look at them and I, they just, I'm like, they're just out there playing. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, my world was not that. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, there's this one memory I have of like, I was doing a handstand on the bars and, and you know, Mike had like the, you know, you're up on a high bar and he's your coach is supposed to support you and spot you in that moment and, and be there for you. Right. To make you feel safe. Well, he threw me down off the bars onto the ground and just started yelling at He's like, you didn't point your toes. Like you'll never be good enough. And I really had that story within me that like, you know, if you're not perfect, you don't, you know, everything was the littlest thing. Like I didn't point my toes. And so I got thrown down and yelled at. And I think I've kind of had this subconscious story for a long time of like, man, if I'm not perfect, then I'm not good enough. And, you know, people are going to yell at me and not like me. And I'm going to get 
thrown down. That story of feeling like I have to be perfect at everything. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, I will create all these justifications as to why I don't do something. Um, you know, and, and I think justifications can show up in so many different ways of, you know, and that, that story probably showed up in my relationships. That story probably showed up in so many other things, you know, and especially as an actress, um, so much of what, what I do in that world, as well as what we do with relationship renegades really like depends on my confidence and my ability to continue to put myself out there. And there's something called creative insecurity that I've been really interested in recently. And, you know, there's a world where you can feel so free and you don't really have those insecurities. You literally can just be playing and creating and putting things out there. But I think a lot of people struggle and suffer from this creative insecurity that holds them back so much from being able to just show up in their full selves. And so much of, I think, you know, on a regular basis, I'll have these ideas of like, oh, I want to go do this. or I want to, you know, create this thing. And I'll have this deep desire. And then all of a sudden, I just I'm seeing myself justify like, oh, no, no, I need to do this other thing that's more productive. Oh, no, no, no I need to go do this other thing. And so I think, um, <clears throat> you know, growing up as a gymnast was one of the biggest blessings, but also like one of my greatest um, challenges, as I think most things are, you know, like growing up, I, I really had to learn like, man, like incredible resilience, incredible, like you have to keep going and you have to show up and you have to do the brave thing. And, um, that has really helped me on my, my career as an actress. Um, and, and ultimately in, in, in entrepreneurship as well. Um, but you know, and there are so many things on my journey. I mean, I, I got so, so stuck in that world of like, I even manifested a, a shattered hand. Like I have six pins in my hand. And I was happy when that happened because I felt relief because I was like, oh, I don't have to deal with the stress of gymnastics. Mm -hmm. But that ultimately also ended up catapulting me into, you know, seeing this movie that changed my life as a little girl and was the reason why I started acting and dancing and had a moment in the movie when I was just movie theater, just being like, that's what I want to do with my life. And I'm going to work my ass off and, and really finding out what it felt like to feel such joy and happiness in the thing that you really love or maybe really meant to do while you're here on this earth. And that for me was acting and dancing and performing and, and creating. Um, and, and so much so when I finally felt what it felt like to live in that world of like, oh my gosh, like life can feel like this. Like I can feel just happy. I don't have to live in anxiety all the time. Like that was, that was a big moment for me. <laughs> and so, you know, really wanting to help others find that for themselves and, and realize the difference. Sometimes we get stuck in these identities and these worlds that we create for ourselves. Like we're allowing ourselves to stay stuck, right? Whether it's in the relationship or in the job or in whatever. And there could be this other thing out there that, that is so freeing for you, that mm -hmm. brings you so much joy. And that could be again, a different relationship, another job or, or whatever that, that you feel so yourself in that you were able to really find yourself and, um, you know, ultimately that through a, a long story that I won't get into, but, you know, really getting able to, from seeing that, having that broken hand that I manifested that led me to see that movie that led me to find, um, all this, this beautiful path of, of learning about how my mind works and how my, um, my thoughts matter and ultimately being able to create a life for myself. That was my childhood dream, both in 
in film, literally getting to play the lead role in the sequel to the film that changed my life as a little girl, which was just the most incredible thing. But then also getting able to create and this beautiful, healthy relationship that I also dreamed up just as much as my, my career and, and, and really learning that those, those things that we go through in life that do feel so hard, learning how to appreciate the contrast and not staying stuck in that, not letting that hold you back, but learning how to appreciate those moments of challenge and those moments where it just feels so heavy and hard and, and really learning how to, to navigate through those feelings and those emotions and ultimately learning how to free ourselves from those so that we can live all that we're supposed to live in this life and find the love that we really want and the career path that we really want that really lights us up and, mm. and not staying stuck <laughs> on the nail, you know? <laughs> Get off the nail. Get off the nail, guys. That's our big message. No. Get off the nail. <laughs> oh. I love it. I mean, I'm resonating with every single story that the two of you shared. I'm like savior complex, check, perfectionist, <laughs> check, check. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Childhood trauma, micro and macro, check, check, check. Yes. Yep. Yep. So, yeah. So. I feel like, and it's so interesting sometimes too, because, you know, you heal a lot of these things. And, and sometimes when you, you continue the journey of, you know, self-development and, and growth and the work, you know, there'd be, there could be some new things that you didn't find, you know, that, oh, okay, now there's this other thing. Oh, now there's this other thing. But then sometimes you'll find the same thing. You're like, I thought I healed this. Yeah. Like, wow. I, this showed up again. And, you know, there's still a little residue there. There's a little residue there. And, and, and I think, yeah, so I think it, it's just interesting on the journey. So it's like, no matter what comes up, right? Whether it's through eye gazing or breath work or a workshop or a book or whatever it may be, that being okay, like like one of my mantras is letting whatever happens to be okay. And mm-hmm. um, and that's that river we were talking about, right? But I just say, you know, on the continuous journey, it, things can still show up and you'd be like, oh, okay. Oh, good. Maybe they're, you know, yeah. it, it's still there a little bit. You know, I need to continue to work through it or something. Yeah, I have a question. I have, I love that you brought that up. I have a question about that, which is when we think we've gone through the process of healing something and then it shows back up somehow, how do the two of you think about that in your work? Oh man, yeah, I've, I've actually asked myself this question a lot and it's been something of like, man, am I ever going to be done healing from this? <laughs> you know? And I think the, the answer is when I, you know, there's a, something that we say often is like, you know, and this is Amelia's quote, so I'm going to take it, but life is like the ocean. There's always going to be waves. The good news is you can learn how to surf, right? So there's always going to be waves. And I think, you know, I mean, I really do have the belief that we're here for a reason and that our, our, our souls are getting to learn all these lessons and that each one of us have a very unique purpose in being here. Mm-hmm. You know, and I also heard this quote yesterday that I loved that it was, you know, life is, is, is the journey of learning how to understand yourself and not to be understood, right? It's about learning how to really understand you and not being so concerned with feeling understood by others, right? Cause it's not their journey. It's your journey. You're the only one that ever has to live in your own skin. You're the only one that really has to be with you 24, seven, 365 mm. for your entire life and, and beyond. Right. So it's this journey of like, Oh man, how can I really learn how to love 
and support myself and be my own best friend and my biggest supporter, no matter what, you know, because people are going to come and go, jobs are going to come and go. Like, how can I really just be so, so supportive of me and know that I think a lot of these lessons that we're maybe here to learn, yeah, they will show back up again. But, you know, every, when I kind of said earlier, like every new chapter of life kind of requires a, a, a different chapter of you, like a new version mm-hmm. of you, right? Because we're yeah. always hopefully up-leveling or elevating. Yeah. And, <coughs> you know, and, and my perfectionism mm-hmm. stuff, it comes up, even though I'm like, no, I healed from that. You know, I think it's a constant journey. We have this thing. It's like, there is no there. I yeah. think a lot of times we have this story um, that we're after we do the work, then it's like you're healed, then you're there and you're good. And it's just like, does it work like that? You know, it's life is this constant journey of, of learning and evolving and growing. And I think a lot of the things that, at least in my journey and in the work with our clients, I think a lot of us have very, um, very important lessons we need to learn here. And they, we get to learn them and we get to learn them in many different ways and versions and shapes and sizes. But at the root of it, I think a lot of it, it stems the same, same stuff, just same stuff in, in different, different shapes and sizes and colors. Yeah. And I, I like that you brought up that quote too, again, because yeah, if, you know, I think again, looking at nature outside, I go back to nature so much. I love it. You know, I feel like if we're not growing, we're dying, right? If a tree or a, a flower is not growing, then it's, then it's dying. And I think we're the same way. And I think along our growth, as we continue to grow and expand myself and each other and everything we're doing for the world with our gifts, talents, and strengths, I think we will face higher waves, bigger waves. Let's go to the 50 foot wave now. Let's go to 75 foot wave now. And at those playing fields, where you might have mastered the 30 foot wave yes. and we're good. My stuff doesn't show up anywhere here, yeah. but I step up to the 40 wave. Okay. My stuff may show up a little bit here <laughs> and, and we have better skills to like, Oh, here it comes up again. I'm going to throw that away right away. Like, Oh, that's not me anymore. And then we continue our journey. So I think it'll keep coming up. We're faster at identifying it. And if something happens in our life, we have a faster throttle response, a bigger stress capacity where if something happens, we don't stay there longer. We're like, Oh yeah, we, we know the tools, get back to baseline. Let's keep going. Let's keep growing. Yes. Um, but you know, there's, I think there's an important thing that we talk about a lot that I think is a great tool to even add right now is this, um, let's say we went to the 50 foot wave and things are coming back and let's say we get triggered, right? We like to think about triggers as gifts that it's another opportunity, right? Mm-hmm. To find out what hasn't healed within us yet. Um, and, um, you know, the analogy that we learned from our, our different workshops we've been a part of in our content, constant journey was this image that I want to present to people. I'm going to try to do my best to really summarize this, like one day workshop on this thing really quick, but I think it's important because, you know, I love Tesla's quote of like, if you want to know the the secrets of the universe, Mm. think in terms of like, you know, vibrations, frequencies, uh, and energies. And so if we really know, and now, of course, the beautiful thing is that science has proven that we're like, there's frequencies and light and sounds and all these things, right? So if we think about us as frequency for a moment, and, and if we think about like inside our body, or for those just listening, I'm putting like inside my body, picture a, uh, a filing cabinet, right? And so anytime that we had trauma, anytime we didn't feel safe, seen, heard, or loved, anytime something happened, we, we filed away, I'm going to say a tuning fork. 
we'll just call it like a trauma tuning fork because, and I mentioned tuning forks because I don't know if you've ever played with, have you ever played around with tuning forks, by the way, Taryn? I have, I have played okay. around with tuning forks. Yeah. So, right. So like if I had a tuning fork in this room, like tuning fork ABC, right. And in another room on the other side of the house, there was also tuning forks A, B, and C, right. If I struck right now tuning fork A and it's vibrating, right. In that other room, tuning fork A would also just start to vibrate all of a sudden, right. That, that's the law of resonance, right. Universal law here. So we are exactly that. And so, you know, if I have a tuning fork A, and let's just label that anger from um, some toxic relationship that I had with a woman, let's say, right? Like, and, and it was something about me didn't feel good enough. So I would show up in a way, like whatever that story is, let's just label that that tuning fork A, right? If I haven't healed that yet, right? You're going to find who you are. I'm going to find more women in my life. If I didn't find Rachel yet, right? I'm going to find more people who, who had that, who's going to, who's going to trigger that all the time is going to trigger that for me, right? These are the lessons. So I feel like that tuning fork will then, if some relationship will come into my life, there will be a point where that gets triggered. So she will say, Hey, I have tuning fork a, it'll vibrate. And what she says to me, Mm -hmm. Oh, I get triggered by what she just told me because I have tuning fork a too. Both are vibrating for each other. And we have to choose to like, you know, do the work to finally remove that tuning fork in that filing cabinet. Because then when it happens now, it's like, oh, that didn't trigger me because you've healed from that. Mm -hmm. So it's this kind of like interesting conversation of like, yes, you can heal from that and you don't longer have that tuning fork at that 30 foot wave, but you might go to the 50 foot wave and somehow it comes back in the filing cabinet, but you know that you have it and you know how you can get rid of it. So good. So good. I, I love that you just put together, I need both hands for this. I love that you just put together like a filing cabinet, a surfboard, a wave, a tuning fork, a poodle. No, there was not yeah. a poodle. all together. <laughs> yes, there's a filing cabinet in the ocean. Okay, over here. Okay, no, <laughs> And it makes perfect sense. It makes yeah. perfect sense. Yeah. yeah. I'm an orchestrator in that way, right? I try to work. That's how my mind works, right? Like I love yeah. it. I love it. Okay, so you talked about triggers as gifts. Yes. So I'm sitting here being like, that trigger definitely did not feel like a gift. Yeah. <laughs> okay, something yeah. I want to like re-gift. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Give this away. I have a saying that I say that they're 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 really beautiful gifts wrapped in really ugly wrapping paper. Yes. Right. <laughs> like. I got triggered yesterday from something that happened in my family and yeah. it was like a deep childhood wound. And I was like, Oh, you know, that feeling when like some people feel your gut or your throat yeah. or like your whole body just has this response. Yeah. And in the past, right. If I, if I, if I never learned the tools in my past, I didn't have, I didn't know the tools to learn how to process that. I would just like shove it away and be like, Oh, I don't want to feel that. So I'm just going to mm-hmm. like push it away and deny the fact that I'm feeling this. And ultimately that's like, you know, putting a beach ball underwater where you just feel like it eventually it is just going to like explode because mm-hmm. uh, there's so much pressure put mm-hmm. on it. But if I, you know, ultimately I think that's what we're really trying to do at Relationship Renegades is give people the tools and the practices so that regardless of whatever wave mm-hmm. gets thrown at them or whatever trigger they feel, they don't 
feel like they need to like run away and hide or suppress or deny that they can like see it for what it is mm. as this gift wrapped in really ugly wrapping paper. Yeah. They know how to breathe through it. They know how to journal about it. They know the questions to ask themselves. They know the practices they can do, the tools they can, so many different tools to choose from. Just like, which one works for you? Cause mm. we're all so unique and different things work for different people. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and different things work for different times of your life. You know, like sometimes one tool mm-hmm. might work for me great for this trigger, but then I try it on another one and it's just not working. So I have to tr- pull another tool, you know? And so I think it's just, um, but once you have, right, we just don't know what we don't know. And if you don't, if you don't know what you don't know, you have to have a lot of compassion for yourself mm-hmm. because you don't know. But yeah. then you can be on this journey of, I think, you know, I'm reading Will Smith's book right now that's so good. And he just says, it's like life is this constant going from not knowing to knowing this constant journey of like, we just don't know. We don't know. Then we get to learn it. And then we get to have compassion for our past, but then we get to continually know, know, and take those lessons. And then he also says, I love this, that, you know, in school, we, we get to learn the lessons to take the test in life. Mm -hmm. We take the test. And then we get to choose if we want to take the lesson or not. And if you don't take the lesson, well, you're just going to keep getting the same test over and over and over until you get the lesson. But I think it's just looking at it as, you know, now I used to run away from those feelings of feeling triggered. And now I can like, I can, I can feel it. I can, I can see it. I can be aware of it. And a part of me, even though this is really hard sometimes, can get excited about the fact that like, oh, okay, on the other end of this like is a powerful breakthrough, right? It is bliss. It is euphoria. It is relief. And so for me, what's been really helpful is to feel the feelings that I'm in currently, but also be very aware of <coughs> if I do the work, like if I continually face it and, and acknowledge it and, and, um, and do, you know, practice all the different tools on it, then there is a huge breakthrough, but like, you can't have a breakthrough unless you breakthrough like you can't and so it's you know it's just knowing this like it's always a choice do I choose to stay stuck and disconnected and isolated because that's a choice and we can choose that but you can also choose to Mm. face it and go through some uncomfortable feelings but then you're going to have a powerful breakthrough and deeper deeper connection and self-love and self-trust and self-worth and self-confidence and and a deeper connection if you're going through it with someone you know a way deeper connection with the other person yeah and if I could add to that too, yeah. beautifully shared, babe, um, is, you know, when you were talking about like the, the not knowing then to knowing, right. And then I would kind of add like then applying that knowing, right. Mm-hmm. And then even more so really embodying that. And I think what we really love and always practice to do for our clients is to not only know these things, but to really embody them, right. It, yeah. It's it, to, to really important that, to really embody that. And and I go back to nature as always, right? Because I feel like when you really truly embody that, because I feel like a lot of people know things and they continuously hear different things over and over and over and over. But there's like this way of like having that really integrated into your body and into your life. And when you do that, you truly are the, the eye of the storm where like no matter what storm you're facing in your life, you can really be that center where it's calm and peaceful and happy. And, and there's happiness there and there's creativity there and there's abundance there. And there's flourishing there, right? And and like I was talking to a client, he's in real estate and he's going through a big storm right now and a divorce and all these kind of things. And, and he's got a kid and it's just extremely challenging time in his life right now. And, 
he's never really built that internal world, right? That And, and really, I, I framed it as because he's real estate, right? Like building that internal real estate, like what kind of like house, like you live in this body every moment, like what kind of house are you building inside of you that you can go and jump on the couch inside and like, you know, go to your little the room or maybe there's like, there's a community in the kitchen eating and having a good time, like, like whatever it is, like what's that internal real estate? And so I think, taking that knowledge, really embodying it. So you can be the eye of the storm or even a palm tree out here, right? That like, that ebbs and flows doesn't break when a storm happens, just kind of rolls with the punches and and just flows with it. And so I think the embodiment is really important with what we do. I couldn't agree more. I love everything that you shared. I think this is my last question before we transition to understanding how our listeners can connect with the two of you. Oh, there's so many questions I want to ask, but all right. Okay. Last one. (laughs) We could do a part two. (laughs) All right. Um, You talked earlier about recognizing that there are stories that we tell ourselves, you know, these old kind of scripts or programming, right. That exists within us. How do we identify within ourselves? What's an old or outdated story and what might be like some initial steps, you know, that we might take, that people might take to start to unpack that and write a new narrative? Well, I just want to preface this with, you know, people think of the process of like manifestation, right? They might be like, oh, that's like really woo-woo-y or whatever. It's not like you can't quantify that or whatever that is, but it's really a step-by-step process. I, I don't want to push this, but it's ultimately just really understanding that like, okay, my, my thoughts affect the way that I feel, but those thoughts are being driven by a deeper rooted story, right? That, that is running that show that's causing the thought to create how I feel. And then the way that I'm feeling is going to determine how I respond in that situation. Right. And, and then that response is going to determine the outcome that I create in my life. So, you know, I tell this story of like, you know, say I have this story running in my life that I live in a friendly universe and that I trust people and that people are are nice and that everything's happening for me. And that, you know, life is abundant and abundance is everywhere. So if I believe those stories, I'm probably going to walk in the world because I'm trusting of people, my stories that people are good people and um, can trust people, right? I might walk down the street and like, look at people and interact with people. And then that person might invite me to go somewhere. And then because I'm like, yeah, I want to adventure and everything's happening for me. And this is maybe guiding me to something great. So yeah, and then I'm going to go to that thing. And then at that thing, I have this conversation that ultimately changes my whole life and career. And then I found my business partner. You know what I mean? It's like this like open, flowing, expansive world. But then if I have the story that like people are out to get me and they, they're not trustworthy and life is really hard and <laughs> money is really hard to come by. And, you know, if I have these kinds of stories, I'm probably going to walk more with my head down because I can't really, you know, look at people because they're not trustworthy. I'm probably going to be on my phone, like scrolling through social media or like finding confirmation of all these different things that I believe about how maybe life is really hard or like money's really hard to come by and, and jealousy and, and, and comparison and all that kind of stuff that will, that will confirm my story, right? Because if I have that story, I'm going to be looking for things to constantly confirm that story. That's what the brain does. Yeah. It's, what, it's literally what the brain's wired. And then if I'm doing that, I'm going to miss the person that invited me to that event, right? Mm-hmm. And then I'm not going to get that invitation. I'm not going to go to that thing 
where I had the life changing conversation. I'm not going to find that business partner that exploded my business. I'm not going to, you know, like it's just how we think, how we feel. These stories are literally running our lives. Mm -hmm. And I like to think about it. I really believe that we're here to have joy. I believe that we're here to have a good time. And I choose to believe those things because that's the kind of world I want to create for myself. And a long time ago, I had a different story running. I had a different story that like life had to be really hard, that it was, it was a struggle that I was supposed to go through pain and suffering, right? Like I had all these narratives that maybe got programmed into me. Those are a lot of, you know, just because we hear those stories all the time through media, through, through anything we ever heard on TV or parents or magazines or radio, anything. And, and ultimately I've just chosen, and it's a choice for everyone. It's just kind of what kind of world do you want to create for yourself? What kind of experience do you want to have while you're on this earth? And for me, it's just, if I'm ever looking for, do I have any old stories that are running my, my show here, the movie that I'm creating, that is my life. What's not making me feel good. You know, we even teach a practice that we learned at um, this workshop called goal canceling. That I, that a lot of goals that we have are maybe unconsciously really stressing us out and learning how to cancel some of those goals. So they're not stressing you out anymore. Like I used to have all these goals that were kind of unconsciously there of like, I have to do so many things in a day and I have to, you know, write a book and run 10 miles and, 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 you know, write a movie and act in, you know, do all this stuff. And I had to really like deprogram that narrative. And, and so ultimately for me, it's just like, what? And also too, just while you say, I just wanted to, yeah. it's not just about canceling those goals. It's just that those goals were rooted in fear. Yes. And like, when you cancel them, it's like, okay, obviously there's instant relief or whatever. When you get back into that joy, happiness, blissful state, mm-hmm. it's like planting seeds with good soil. Yeah. Which in a loving way, redo that goal yeah. in a different way from a different place that then it flourishes because some of those goals were were rooted in fear and therefore we'll just continue to get more fear, et cetera, et cetera. I just wanted to make that. not just Yes. And it's a whole different topic of of that, but it's, it's all rooted in that same question of like, how do we know what stories are running us and if we need to reprogram them and, and that, and I feel like it's just, what's not making you feel good. You know, like what is disempowering you? What is limiting you? What, and, and asking those questions and journaling about those questions of like, just saying literally like what stories are running my life that are limiting me. And then just free writing, like what's coming up and, and you'll find some really interesting like things that, you know, maybe you just never, you hadn't thought about for a while, but I think letting yourself sit in that question for like a good amount of time and really like journaling about what's, what's coming up. Totally. Yeah. Um, Rachel shared some incredible things. I, I, I concur with all that. <laughs> and, uh, and, and the answer to that too, I, I can't reiterate enough, right? That the number one human impediment is that we live in our heads mm-hmm. with this constant ego centered. I'm not good enough. I don't have enough, or maybe I'm better than mentality, right? People are in the past, the stories are running them, which is depression, or they're in the future, hoping, wishing, praying. Uh, what may come next, right? And what they could plan for and what they could adjust for or whatever it may be. And that's, that's anxiety, right? And, and obviously that comes in practice, but like, let's get back to the present. Let's get back to the present, right? And I feel like, you know, given that I really, to your question, and I can only speak for myself and, and the way that we live is to question everything. Yeah. 
to, you know, I feel like the more that I know, the less I know. And, and, and I mean by that, right? Like, it's because like you said, confirmation bias and all these things. Like I can be like, oh, okay, I had a brilliant thing. This is the way it is. Okay, it's this one lane. This is the way it is. Oh, yep. And I can find more of that. And this is what it is. But there's this galaxy of information, different experiences. And if I just stick with that and I'm so rigid, then that palm tree or that other tree will break in the, in the wind. Like, then I'm not going to ebb and flow. Like, if I'm so like, no, nope, this is the way. This is, this is the reality, this reality that, that I'm living in. This is the way that the world works. This is how people interact. This is what this person is going to do to me. Like question all of that. Right. And, and you asked, so like, how do you question these things? Rachel brought up some great things, but to add to that, you know, because all this stuff is in the mind, right. A lot of people, I want people to know that there's different brains that we have. Mm-hmm. We have a head brain. We have a heart brain. We have a gut brain. Right. The, the, the hard brain has literally 40,000 neurodendrites, right. That are like brain cells, literally that think, feel, and, and remember independently mm-hmm. of the head brain. And we're not going to go on that whole tangent, but the reason I'm bringing this up is because like tune back into the body, yeah. like the body does not lie. The head will justify and lie all day long. <laughs> like, Oh yeah, let's try to make, let's try to make sense of this strategy. All this kind of stuff. But when you get out of there and get into here, whether it's the heart, the gut, the body, the body is, is yelling at you a lot of the times, like screaming at you, we're not in here. And I think there's different ways to, in addition to what you said, babe, different ways that you can get into, in a state of nothingness, Yeah. right? Like, like where the, the, the monkey mind, the prefrontal cortex is not engaged, right? You're not thinking your way out of it. You know, like um, uh, the quote from, Albert Einstein comes to mind of, you know, you can't solve the problem in the same state of consciousness that it was created in. And, and I feel like, how do you do that? Well, get out of your head. And how do you get out of your head? Well, I can just speak for myself, right? Like earlier today, um, I'm a big fan of microdosing psilocybin, (laughs) (laughs) Um, but in, in a beautiful things that it's done for depression, PTSD, anxiety, things of that nature. And I'm just saying what happened this morning. So there was some of that, did some sauna work, right? Went into the sauna, afterwards went into the cold tub. And during this cold tub, I would see the ripples in the water. And I would see the way that the sun was glistening on the water. And I look up and I see this tree dancing in the wind. And there was nothing else but like the cold and look at how beautiful these ripples are. Wow, look at the ripples in my life. And like, but it was, anyway, actually, I didn't even think about that. It was just how beautiful water was and the tree was. And maybe it had to do a little bit of the, the, the microdose, but, but normally just the sauna and cold tub alone will do that for me. And whether it's meditation or whatever it is for you, maybe it's running a marathon, like whatever you need to do physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, energetically to get into that place, always practice getting to that place, prioritize getting into that place because that's a state of nothingness, which is everythingness. Mm-hmm. And in that state, there's a new consciousness that will solve the problem, that will rewire a new story, mm-hmm. right? That will, <clears throat> but it starts with that question, that growth mindset question, like, am I really right? Could it be different? Is there another way of looking at this? And then letting it go and then doing the things that then all of a sudden get you into nothingness, which is everythingness, which then gets into a new state of consciousness, which then rewrites that new narrative and then continues the evolution process Mm. that is that's beautiful 
especially the ripples in the water and the ripples in your life. I like that. I like that later. I like that later add and connection that happened right here. That was incredible. Yeah. I'm sure, you know, all of our listeners feel like they could just spend so much more time soaking up your wisdom and your knowledge and your humor and your playfulness. So where can they find the two of you and relationship renegades and just connect to more of the goodness that the two of you are sharing with the world? Yeah. Oh, thank you so much. Again, thank you for having us. This is yeah, so much fun. Um, and if anyone listening, I mean, we're just about fun, right? Yeah. Like if there's anything we really want to do, we want to help people uh, we'll have more fun. fun. Yeah, we'll make like, yeah, relationships playful. more fun and playful. And, like most of the time, I just feel like my little kid selves are just playing together. And that's like the coolest thing the coolest ever. Thing. And that is possible. Yeah. And if we can create that, especially if people really know our past, like oh, yeah. Our exes would be like, wait, what? You guys have a relationship brand? Mm. You know, <laughs> like if we can create that, it's just like anybody can do it. It's yeah. just like, we need the support, the tools, the community, the 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 desire, you know, to do so. Mm. Um, best place to find is super easy, just on Instagram at relationship.renegades. And then you'll find both of our handles as well. R. Brooke Smith, Emilio underscore, Paula Fox underscore. <laughs> um, but I think that's the easiest way to find us because- mm. Because we're, we're playing a lot. We're playing on a lot Instagram. on Instagram. <laughs> um, and if anyone has any questions about anything that you know we offer and how to work with us at retreats or group coaching or our online program, any of that, yeah. um, it's all there on our on yeah. our Instagram. We we did really work hard on on a recent online program that is now out, yeah. and um, it's the Relationship Renegades Experience, and it's uh, yeah. it's about all this stuff and more, of course. And, and it's a, an extremely reasonable price. We just like dropped it super, super, super low, so that everybody can afford it worldwide. Yes. And we just want to be able to help as many people as possible. So that's there, like Rachel yes. said, in the in the link. And then we have our future retreat coming up for anybody who wants to meet us in person yes. and really start to embody a lot of things that we talked about and more. And that's going to be happening in New Mexico. It's called Renew Retreats. We're partnering with some of the people that we love. We're going to be there to do some, uh, Rachel's going to do an incredible renegade flow there. Uh, I'm going to do some, uh, an eye, leading an eye gazing workshop. So I'm writing a book about eye gazing and a ton more, right? But, um, <laughs> but if you want to be this person, that's May uh, 5th through the 8th yeah. and, in New Mexico, Albuquerque. And then, yeah, if you want to know more details on any of the stuff that we're doing, yeah, relationship.renegades on Instagram. Amazing. All right. Well, we're all going to run, not walk, you know, uh, <laughs> our, our computers and phones and, and get our hands on that relationship renegades program your instagram feed which is just so much fun i love seeing the two of you having an incredible time together and for those that are fortunate enough to attend that retreat i have no doubt that will be such an incredible experience so well i want to just thank the two of you for joining me today on flourish or fold stories of resilience it's been so incredible to get to hear some new stories, some stories that I've just gotten to bask in the glow of, of hearing again from the two of you. And you're just both so remarkable, such incredible people. And it's really beautiful to see you creating the world in the context of your relationship and, and beyond that you want to live in. So thank you so much for your uplifting story, for your generosity, and for spending this time with us. Mm. Thank, thank you, for, you. Yeah, thank, thank you, you so much for having words. us and thank you for all the work that you're that mm -hmm. you're doing in the world it yeah. is so beautiful and so needed it's all in the co-creation all of us mm -hmm. right i love you know that i just end it with like i think it was rumi who said this it's like we're all just walking each other home 
Mm-hmm. And yeah. we, we all need each other. So yeah, thank you. Thank you again for having us here. I agree. I agree. Well, here's to walking each other home. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for being a part of this episode of Flourish or Fold, Stories of Resilience. I don't know if you know, but we have an online course that is available now. Link in our show notes. It's called Flourish, the Five Practices of Particularly Resilient People. I'm so grateful that you stayed through for Rachel and Emilio's conversation. The relationship renegades have truly blown the lid off this thing. And I'm still thinking about this process of how we choose ourselves in the context of our relationships, how we choose the third practice of particularly resilient people, connection with ourselves. And in Emilio's words, how we get off that nail and allow ourselves to live a life that is more joyful and more present. Well, until next time, thank you so much for being a part of our show. And please feel welcome to share our beautiful podcast, Flourish or Fold, Stories of Resilience with the people in your life that are deeply meaningful for you. We get the word out about this important work and getting to peek behind the scenes into the challenges of well-known people through our listeners just like you who are gracious enough to share this podcast and this work on resilience with your friends, family members, and colleagues. Thank you so much. And until next time, this is Dr. Taryn Marie.